Today, I have a special treat for you because I'm going to take you into a live service that was preached last year at the House on the Rock Church in Lagos, Nigeria. The message is entitled, Bring Me a Sword, and it is a lesson from the life of King Solomon. Now, how many of you know that I never ever preach a long sermon? It is usually my introduction that takes all the time. <laughs> and so on this occasion, I have been warned to skip the introduction and dive right into the sermon. So with your participation, I invite you to stand as we are going to read from the first book of the Kings, First Kings chapter number three. And we are going to read... from the 24th verse, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 24. If you can see it, would you say amen? amen? And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose, was, whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. Then the king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to speak into our collective destiny from the subject, Bring Me a Sword. I want you to look at your neighbor, say, Neighbor, watch out. I got my sword. And before you're seated, let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to reign on us with wisdom and revelation and light and understanding. Would you lift your voice all over the, this great sanctuary and let's ask the Holy Spirit for the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sweet Holy Spirit of the living God, we are in your awesome presence, basking in the sunlight, the radiance of your grace and your glory. And we are inviting your presence to preside over everything that we do. Speak to us with clarity, precision, and power. Let your word reach its target in our hearts and initiate the process of transformation, even a paradigm shift that gives us fresh perspectives and power for the future. And this we have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So King Solomon is the third and final king of the United Kingdom of Israel. After his demise, the kingdom was divided. He inherited 
the throne of David and inherited a responsibility to execute on the initiatives and the dreams that David had dreamed concerning the house of the Lord, he inherited this responsibility at a very young age. And when you're young and you inherit great responsibility, you're, you are, if you're honest, you're overwhelmed with a sense of inexperience and inadequacy, and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you need the help of God. Amen? In fact, I would venture to say that if your vision is authentic, if it came from God, you will be overwhelmed and overcome with a sense of inexperience, inadequacy, and a sense of needing so much more. I think it's one of the hallmarks of authenticity that differentiate a genuine vision from God from a personal ambition. A genuine vision from God will be so big that it will force you to your knees and it will also force you to build a team and it will also compel you to partner and network with others whose skill sets compensate for your deficiencies. Solomon was aware that he would need God in order to be a successful king. And so he sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings at Gibeon. And that night he dreamed a dream and the Lord said to him, ask me for what you want. That's a blank check. How many of you would be really happy if God gave you a blank check? All right. Solomon did not seek for wealth, he did not seek for fame, he did not seek for the life of his enemies. Instead, he said, God, I need wisdom so that I can lead this, your great people. He humbled himself before God and he called himself a child who doesn't know how to go in or out and said, God, I'm going to need your guidance, I'm going to need your wisdom so that I can be effective as a leader. God said, Solomon, because you have asked this thing and you didn't ask for the fruit of wisdom, you asked for the root that wisdom is. He said, I'm going to give you the wisdom and I'm going to give you wealth and I'm going to give you honor and I'm going to give you long life because you asked for the right thing. I want us to notice that immediately after the dream, he wakes up, he returns to Jerusalem, he continues to sacrifice, and he is confronted with his first case. Now I call it a case because the kings of the ancient world pretty much operated as judges in keeping with the tradition of Moses and they adjudicated and they sat in judgment on a number of civil matters. Solomon, as his first test, is presiding over a child custody battle. It's the first child custody battle documented in the scriptures and it's not a child custody battle between a man and a woman. It's between 
two women. Two women are claiming custody of the same child. And of course, a baby represents so many things. Mm -hmm. A baby represents hope, represents a future. But these were boys. And in the ancient world, they not only represented hope and represented a future, they represented potential, prosperity. They were technically a line of credit. You'll remember the story of the widow who lost everything and the creditors had come to take her sons. And this was the first test of Solomon's wisdom. And here's, here's why it's so important. Because it contains the most important fundamental lesson that any leader has to learn as early as possible. And how many of you are ready for it today? That was about 10 of you. How many of you are ready for the most important lesson? <laughs> Here's the lesson. That leadership is the life or death of an opportunity. I'm going to say it again. Leadership is the life or death of an opportunity. Somewhere between an opportunity and an outcome is leadership. Opportunities do not become desired outcomes without great leadership. And this is important because God typically doesn't give us outcomes. He gives us opportunities. I mean, each baby represents an opportunity. And what God typically gives is not outcomes, it's opportunities. For example, if you ask God for wealth, what he is most likely going to give you is an opportunity to create wealth. If you ask God for an outcome, what he's going to give you is an opportunity. Your job is then to recognize that this is an opportunity from God. Seize the opportunity, nurture the opportunity, develop the opportunity, and you realize the potential that is in the opportunity. But see, if all you're ever looking for is outcomes, you may miss the opportunity. Isn't that right? So let's suppose I wanted to give you a car today. How many would feel really good about that if the bishop said, I want to give you a car today? Mm -hmm. A few of you, well, the rest of you have loads of cars, but watch this. Watch this. There's no way that I can give you a car. I can't put a car on your lap. I would kill you. Isn't that right? All I can do is give you the keys and tell you where the car is. But if in your obsession to get a car, you undermine the power of the keys... You may take the keys and hail down a bus. Because you didn't realize the potential of the little thing that you possess. The truth is that something you already possess from God is the key to everything else that you want from God. 
but it is typically awaiting your recognition and the failure to recognize opportunity is the failure to realize great outcomes. Let me give you one more example of this. How many remember Jesus teaching on the law of abundance? He says, to him that has shall more be given, but to him that has not shall be taken away. Even that he has. There's a paradox in there somewhere. It's something, it's something not, not quite right. Because the one person has something and he gets more. The other person has not. But he's going to lose what he has. So who said he had not? He clearly had something. Because otherwise he couldn't lose what he had. The problem was that he said, I don't have anything. And when you call your something nothing, you lose the something that you have. But if you call your nothing something, you're going to get much more. Never ever look at your nothing or your something and call it nothing. Because once you start calling it nothing, you're failing to realize the seed potential, the key potential that it is to produce so much more. Can I hear an amen? I remember the widow woman in 2 Kings saying, Elisha, I'm down to nothing. The creditors have come to take my sons. What am I going to do? What are you going to do for me? Elijah said, what shall I do for you? What do you have in the house? She said, thy servant has nothing in the house except this pot of oil. If I was that pot of oil, I would have been offended, so offended. Nothing, nothing in the house except this pot. I would have said, hold on a second, uh, lady. Everything left you except me. Everything ran out of your life and I've been faithful sitting here on the shelf waiting for you to recognize my potential and you never saw it. You called me nothing. And, uh, and uh, Elijah, Elisha effectively said to her, listen, that little pot of oil, that little thing that you've undermined, overlooked, the thing that you failed to appreciate is actually the key, not only for your debt cancellation, but for your wealth creation for generations to come. This little thing has the potential to deliver so much more because God typically doesn't give an outcome. He gives an opportunity. And between the opportunity and the outcome, there is leadership. Everyone say leadership. leadership. So back to the Solomon story. Two women have the exact same opportunity. Oh yes, there's no evidence that any of the children were sickly, poorly, uh, premature. They were both healthy boys. They both had the same opportunity. The difference was in the management of the opportunity. Can I hear an amen? The difference was that one mothered her child and the other smothered her child. Wish I had some help in here today. The difference is that one nurtured the opportunity, the other neglected the opportunity. The difference is that one slept light and the other slept deep. Listen, when God gives you an opportunity, learn to sleep light. Don't sleep deep on your opportunity because if you sleep on your opportunity, you're going to roll over and smother it. 
What we're saying is that our problem is not the lack of opportunity, it is the lack of leadership. Actually, I'm convinced that God has blessed our generation with more opportunity than we can possibly count. I think that every day opportunity presents itself to us and I'm convinced that this generation is blessed with unprecedented opportunities, opportunities that previous generations could not have imagined. Number one, technology has created a level playing field in which more people have more opportunity to create more wealth, abundance, prosperity and progress than has ever been available in any generation before. I still remember my library, Lord help me now, my library of Bible study books. I couldn't travel. I couldn't travel with, I couldn't travel with my books. My Strong's Concordance alone was like about this thick. Then I had the lexicons which were like this thick. Then I had the Bible dictionaries that were, you know, this big. I mean, if I was to take everything, it would take a whole suitcase just to carry the books. And the books were expensive, ladies and gentlemen. They were expensive. They were leather-bound. They were beautiful pieces. And it cost so much. So the education was only available to a privileged few. But in our day, every one of you under the hearing of my voice that has a smartphone in your possession is in possession. Right now, you have access to the largest library of information ever assembled in the history of the world. We are living in unprecedented days of opportunity. And when it comes to the medium by which we trade today, which is fundamentally online, the internet doesn't have a color. It there's so many barriers to entry that have been overcome simply by technology. We are living in an age of unprecedented opportunity. But these two women had the same opportunity. One nurtured it, the other neglected it. One mothered it, the other smothered it. One slept light, the other slept way too deep. How many of you have already decided, I'm not going to sleep on my opportunities? Come on, I want to see your hands raised if you've already decided, I am not going to sleep on my opportunity. I'm going to nurture the opportunity, mother the opportunity, develop the opportunity, discern the opportunity, recognize the opportunity, celebrate the opportunity, and make the most of the opportunity that God has sent my way. If that's you, shout amen. Well, this is so very exciting. This was, this was the lesson that Solomon uh, uh, learned. Number one, that leadership converts opportunity to outcomes. That opportunity all by itself doesn't mean that you're going to have the outcome you desire because there's some management, there's some leadership, there's some responsibility that goes with the opportunity. Well... That was a great introduction. Can I get deep now? Do you mind? See, because actually these two, uh, these two uh, women represent two covenants. Let's all say two covenants. 
they actually represent the covenant of Sinai and they represent the covenant of grace. They represent Mount Zion, they represent Mount Sinai, one producing death and the other producing life. Is this making sense? And I know somebody's saying, yeah, but hold on a second, the, the one that produced life was born first. So how is it that, the, that uh, because I thought that the law came first. Well, the law didn't come first. Abraham was justified by faith. Come on now. He was justified by faith. And so the righteousness by faith came first. Then came the law. The law produced death. Come on now. But the grace of Jesus Christ produced life. But what we found is that when grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, it wasn't all over. Instead, a battle for custody of the future began. And you read about it in the New Testament. What you're seeing is a battle for custody of the future. You see this old covenant with its law and its legalism and its rituals and its requirements battling with grace and liberty and personal relationship with God through Christ you see them battling for custody of the future and there's a fight going on ladies and gentlemen it started back then but that battle for custody is still going on right now Solomon said, you know what? We're not going to settle this with words. We cannot settle it with words. You know why? Because both of them are prostitutes. And actually, the simple truth is that, that, that words only matter if you're coming from a credible place. And unfortunately, none of the women are coming from a credible place. And so uh, you can't take the word of someone who's not particularly credible. So what we have is two people arguing. And Solomon says, we're not going to settle this by words. It's not going to be your words that are going to tell me if you are the one that God has chosen to be custodians of the future opportunities of the body of Christ. I wish I had some help in here today. Solomon said, bring me a sword. And he says, bring me the sword, not because I want to kill your future, not because I want to kill the opportunity. I don't want to kill it, but I want to expose the heart. I want to reveal who is the genuine custodian of the future. Who is the one that has a right to raise the next generation? I wish I had some help in here today because there's a battle going on right now in the body of Christ because there is an opportunity in every house. The church in this generation has an opportunity to be the catalyst for city, for community, city, and national transformation, reformation, regeneration, reconstruction, restitution. We have the capacity. We saw it today in the presentations where the church, for the first time, is touching all the corners of the marketplace and all the spheres of social influence. And we are in our nation's governments and politics. We are in business and finance. We are in arts and entertainment. We're in community interventions and social action. We are in every facet of the community. And this is the opportunity. But there is a custody battle going on. And you can't settle it with words. You're going to have to settle it with the sword.
And Solomon says, bring me a sword. And the sword is going to reveal. The sword is now still the symbol of justice to this day universally. Bring me the sword because it is this moment that's going to tell me who's who. The genuine mother of the child said, I would rather suffer personal loss to keep the vision alive. I would rather suffer personal loss in order to keep the future alive. And the false mother said, I think it's a fair deal. I think that she has half, I have half, I'll have my corner, you have your corner, and we'll just kill it so that I can keep looking good and so that I can keep my position, my office, my reputation. Uh, that's, what, that's what I prefer to do. And when Solomon heard it, he said, okay, do not kill the child. Give the child to the first woman. She is the mother of the child. Are you hearing me today? All right, I'm going to close. I'm going to close because uh, this is the bombshell. You ready for the bombshell? When Solomon said, bring me a sword, he wasn't joking. There was no smile on his face. There was no indication that this is a test. This is a king saying, bring me a sword. And that simply meant that the only thing that kept the baby alive was the intercession, the intervention, and the voice of the real mother. And I'm here to tell you that if the real mother keeps quiet in our day, our future will die. So I am calling for those that are genuine custodians of Nigeria's future. Do not keep quiet. Open your mouth, lift up your voice, and cry out for the future of your nation. Come on, everybody up on your feet right now. We're gonna cry. See, if we keep quiet, the future dies. And the religious, the legalists, they don't mind. They don't mind so long as they preserve their position, which is presiding over death. They're already used to presiding over death. They're already comfortable with it. So they didn't have a problem. But you know what the, living, the mother of the living child said? She said, not on my watch. The future is not going to die on my watch. Even if I have to suffer a little bit, even if I have to step back a little bit, I trust that God will make it right. I am ready to make sacrifices in order to see the future of the future uh, have its opportunity to pan out. So if she had kept quiet, the child would have died. I'm here to say this house on the rock is one of those houses that will not keep quiet. And because you will not keep Keep quiet about the future of your nation. God says you are the true custodian of the next wave, of the next generation, of the next move, of the next thing. And if that's you, throw your hands up in the air. 
I want you to cry out with your voice. And I want you to declare, not on my watch. This baby will live. What God started in this house on the rock is going to live. It's going to grow. It's going to mature. It's going to become. It's going to manifest. It's going to fulfill its destiny, its potential. And I will not keep quiet. I will not be silent. I will not let it perish. I will speak up. I will cry out. I will spare not. I will lift up my voice like a trumpet and declare that the future belongs to us. Come on, give God a great praise offering and shout with the voice of triumph. I can't hear you shouting right now. Listen. The question of the sword is to who does the future belong? To who does the future belong? I want you to look at your neighbor and say to your neighbor that if you love the baby, the future belongs to you. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www.icancommunitychurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you. 